Welcome to the Women in Technology podcast. My name is Sly Gittins, and this series is aimed at amplifying the stupendous, the amazing women that's inside of the technology field. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast. Today, I'm continuing the Women in Tech. I got McKenna Yaki. She's about to share her story, and it's going to be a little bit different. I got something special for you. We're going to get a little bit deeper in cybersecurity because I know y'all been asking for it. You want to know what's a blue team? How is that different from the red team, purple team? She got all the teams for you. I'm going to let her take it away, McKenna. So can you just share a little bit about who you are and how you got started and what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you first for having me. This is great. I love this. So just a little bit about me. I am a security engineer, mainly blue team um, in the fintech industry. I started out doing desktop support and worked my way up through into systems administration. Um, And then I had the opportunity to move over into security, which has really kind of been my passion. Um, I'm really Uh, just interested in the defensive side and not only just helping to defend companies from cyber attacks, but also helping to educate people on how to defend themselves as well from cyber crime. So that's a little bit about me, but um, outside of the work that I do, I do a lot of nonprofit organization where I help other women get into uh, tech and cybersecurity. I like to talk about it. I like to teach how to like, you know, put together your resume, how to, how to uh, network on LinkedIn. And I create opportunities for other women, especially women of color to come in and be part of tech. Cause I think it's so important and we need more people like me, like you, uh, like everyone that's watching. We, we so need those diverse backgrounds. So that's a really big, important thing for me uh, because I've come from a very, um, impoverished background, and I struggled a lot. Um, and tech and security has been such a um, massive blessing in my life. And I want to share um, that that experience with everybody else. And I want to help everybody else get to the table. So yeah, it's a little bit about me. Well, that's, um, first of all, your story is fantastic. And um, it's some definitely synergies there. I grew up in a pretty rough area too, in Brooklyn. And, um, you know, going in tech has definitely transformed my life and my parents' life. You know, myself and my older brother, he's also in tech. Um, and we're able to take care of, you know, our family now doing it. So I know I can understand how um, it can transform, you know, a whole family, right? And then also the future generations to come. So um, I, I commend you on keep doing that and being an advocate for, you know, women and minorities and diversity because, you um, no, we need to keep seeing those numbers increase um, just because it gives, you know, other people that opportunity. So I commend you for that. Um, so thank you for being on here as well. So um, I love that you shared your background. But I know one thing that it was very curious for me is I want to understand what's the difference between a blue team and the red team? Because I hear that thrown around pretty often, but I feel like a lot of people don't know what that is. And if that is stated on uh, like a resume or a job posting, what are they really asking? But what it really, what is it, you know? 
Yeah, so that's a great question. So I think when a lot of people think of cybersecurity, they're often inundated with like the red team side, which is like the hacker side, right? It's the sexy side of cybersecurity. So it's, you know, it's doing the exploits, it's compromising, it's circumventing systems. Um, So red team is really like your pen testers, the ones that actually come in and, and test to see like, can we get into a system? Is your company secure? They are actual ethical hackers that come in and show a company how they can improve uh, through exploits, like actually going in and knowing vulnerabilities and cracking and popping shells and, you know, uh, actually doing uh, local exploits on machine systems, people, social engineering, for example. Um, But the blue team is the exact opposite. So if you kind of think of like, you know, like basketball, you got your home team, you got your away team. Blue team is that defensive team, right? So we're focused on detection and prevention, and we're focused on education, like security awareness training. We're focused on um, finding not only those exploits and vulnerabilities that the red team is is going to going to exploit, but it's our job to also to come in and defend those. And that can be really difficult because where red team is really focused on like the the tech and the systems we have to be focused on the people the processes the business um we have to understand what's what we can actually do to defend systems because sometimes um we we can't do everything that we actually should be doing to protect our systems um because it might uh impact business. It might impact people doing their work. So we also have to learn how to kind of like compromise and be creative in the way that we protect companies and people. Um, But that's just a little bit. So like if someone says blue team, they're going to be on the defensive side. If someone says red team, they're on the offensive side. Mm -hmm. That's that's, that's pretty cool. That's that's awesome. um, That's some stuff I didn't even know for myself. Um, So I guess another question that I want to kind of piggyback off of that one is what's some uh, misconceptions of what a blue team, um, what's a blue team does and what a blue team is. Yeah. So I think this can kind of be more of an argument that you see a lot in like in cybersecurity or InfoSec itself. Um, I think there's a misconception about blue team being like quote unquote lazy. Um, and like, oh, you guys are not patching. This is why you're, we're seeing so many breaches is because blue team's not doing their job. And like I said before, there's so much we have to compromise on the blue team side. It's not that I don't want to patch things. It's not that I don't want to catch vulnerabilities. It's not that I don't want to um, lock down and tighten up our security. It's that I have to be mindful of the processes that uh, impact the business. I have to be mindful of some of these hardening techniques, like, is that actually going to get in the way of people doing their job? So I have to not only find ways to secure the business and the people, but I have to do it in a way that doesn't hinder or impact the business. Um, so I think that can be a common misconception. And I think sometimes maybe that might be what red teamers think of blue team, but I really want to get out that blue team is very human centric and we have to focus on the human element. Um, and our first line defense is going to be people. So I try to really focus on the security awareness portion of cybersecurity um, because we are only as strong as our weakest link and that's always going to be people. And so if you can help train people, you really are already like strengthening, uh, you know, your defenses. 
Um, and then the other stuff like hardening systems or like saying no to certain, like, no, yeah. you can't have that app. Please don't ask me again, <laughs> you know, but um, I, I think that kind of makes some of the other work easier because people start to understand why blue team does what they do, why we say no to certain things. And it's not because we want to come in, like, you know, kill somebody's party. <laughs> um, but we really are being super mindful of the risk and the threats that are out there. And it's our job to protect you so that you can do your work safely. So what I'm hearing is, um, so blue team, it's almost like a, a seesaw, right? You can, if you go too high on security, that might be detrimental to the business, right? Uh, but if you go too laissez-faire when it comes to security, that also could be detrimental to the business. So it's almost like it's a balancing act of trying to be secure, but also flexible at the same time. So I see Absolutely. that I can see how that could be really challenging and frustrating at the same time, because you're like, well, Sylvester, we can lock down all the ports. We can make um, your, your device super hardened, put all the controls in place. But now it's going to take it, it's going to be harder for the business to, to um, communicate and interact. So then that's actually detrimental to the business. So that's, that's a tough place to be in because when you're in those business conversations, the last thing they want to hear is anything that affects the business, even though it might be um, a possible security vulnerability. Whereas a red team, it seems like they all the, the gloves are off, right? They don't have anything. Their job is to break it, right? To find yeah. that weakness where you have a kind of almost like invisible, invisible handcuffs in a way. Yes. Um, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that I think that's the thing that's so needed for blue team, especially. And that's what we need out of people in blue team is adaptability and the ability to collaborate, because I think sometimes those skills can be missing in blue team. It's not like, you know, I think sometimes blue team can also be seen as like old grumpy security guys that are like, no, you can't do that. But I think um, what people miss is that security is super collaborative and you need to be able to have conversations and you need to be able to understand stakeholders and your end users and business. You can't just know security. You need to understand the business deeply. So yeah, it is a, it is like a seesaw. And I love that analogy um, because I do, you know, I have to juggle doing what's right for <laughs> the company, but also making sure that I don't hinder it at the same time. Yeah, that's, that's a great, that's, a, that's, that's great information. Um, yeah. So that's one thing I was just thinking about now is, is, all right, now I'm someone who said, you know what, McKenna, you got me excited. I want to be a part of the blue team. Where do they start? What type of jobs are they looking for? Right? Yeah, so that's that's a great question. I think now there's there's plenty of like entry level positions for cybersecurity, especially on the blue team. Um, a great example is like a stock analyst. That's going to be someone that looks at detections or alerts that we've crafted using SIM solutions or security incident event management tools mm -hmm. um, that alerts us to any like abnormal behavior or suspicious activity. And what they're going to do is they're going to look at those alerts and those detections and they're going to investigate a little bit and be like, is this actually an issue or is it, you know, like a, a false positive? Um, and if it is, a lot of the times, you know, you'll have different tiers to it. So you'll bump up to your tier two to do more investigation, or maybe you might bump all the way up to your 
your um, your incident responder if something actually happened. So I think yeah. that SOC is a great position to start in. Um, I think it kind of used, there used to kind of be the sentimentality that you needed a lot of um, technical experience to come in and do it. And you need to do like a bunch of IT or networking, like start there and then move over. But I see so many people now that are learning super quickly and picking up the skills that they need to do because these skills can be taught at home when you're, you know, like doing a home lab. Um, so, you know, I, I think people are learning really quickly now and there's so many free resources out there to learn those necessary skills that you can definitely get into a SOC analyst position um, without having previous, you know, uh, IT experience. Yeah. Um, I know that there are other roles like GRC, which is definitely blue team, but that's more like on the compliance level. So if you're really good with like policies and people and understanding the intricacies of business processes, um, that's a phenomenal starting position for people to come into. Um, there's also auditing. Now I know that you kind of need a little bit more experience for that. So that might not necessarily be super entry level, but you got to remember if you're transitioning from another position, you have lots of different skills that are going to transfer really well over into these positions. You don't have to have a technical background to come in. Um, you don't need to know how to code to start. Does it help? Yeah. But to get started, I don't think you need it. Um, so those are some different kinds of positions that you can do to be on the blue team. And it's, there's a huge plethora of different domains and different roles. So, I mean, it, it's almost impossible to list out all of them because there's so many. So yeah, if you're interested, there, there are so many different routes and there's no one size fits all. And that's, that's great news. And I also, I think I love the part you brought up about GRC and um, policy and um, that's a good place, especially if you're coming from a finance background, maybe you're coming from like a heavy com regulated um, background, like energy, right? Mm -hmm. um, or a very um, security centric one, right? Um, there's a lot of roles because I, I used to work for a company, RSA. In the past, I got a solution called Archer. And um, that's one of the top GRC platforms, right? You got ServiceNow. Um, and mm -hmm. I found for me being a technologist who's more technical, I had a hard time going to the policy because I didn't know the compliance and those underlying policies, why they were doing it. I knew more of the actual technology being deployed. So um, more of like a SIM, um, more like a identity play was more of a comfort error for me because, you know, I'm, I'm cool with the technology, but the compliance would be a little bit out of my comfort zone. There's a little bit more learning involved. So if you have that already, that is a godsend because all you got to do is learn the configurations because the SOC policy don't change, right? Mm -hmm. You can literally use that transferable skills and that can be your way into a job that even though it's entry for you, you're still not getting paid at entry level because you have those transferable skills and they call that an industry hire uh, where you, you can leverage that. So I'm glad that you really touched on that, McKenna. So we talked a lot about blue team, right? But let's bring it out a little bit more to us, what, where do you see people going if, if they want to get into cyber security holistically? Oh, that's a great question. So I think one, like I was saying, cybersecurity, there are so many different domains. I mean, you got security operations, you got security architecture, you have GRC, you have risk management, you got um, software development, like secure software development, you have AppSec, product set, like there are so many different ways to get in and, and to come into it. 
Um, so I think it's kind of more about like, what are you interested in? Right. Really stop and think about what, what piques your interest, what gets you going, what makes your mind go, Hmm, I wonder how that works. Um, and kind of go from there because when I first came in, you know, um, I was in, I was doing system administration and I had kind of come across security with NERCSIP because I was working for a power authority. So like you had said, energy, um, and I was just doing basic system administration at that point, yeah. but it was so curious to me, the compliance half of it. And it kind of got me more into blue team. But when I started looking at first security is really over inundated with like red team stuff. So like everybody wants to learn how to be a pen tester or a hacker. And I just felt like that wasn't really me. That didn't really fit my mindset and, and what caught my curiosity. Um, so I had to do a lot of digging. I think now it's way more, um, I think it's easier now to kind of like figure out all the different career paths. And there's so many people out there now that are just like mentoring and helping and like giving away like free knowledge, free resources and stuff like that. Um, so I think if you're just really interested in cybersecurity, first kind of learn what domains are out there, right? Kind of figure out what interests you. And then a good way to get into it is also to connect with people that are already in it. If you want to go somewhere, connect with those that are already in it. So that's what I did. I was connecting with other women who were in cybersecurity and telling them I had an interest. I didn't know where I wanted to go, but I had an interest. Could you help me identify what might be a good fit? Um, and I had some really great women who helped me and kind of helped me carve out that path. Um, and I found nonprofit organizations that also just like deepened um, that, that um, I guess just helped me like figure out my path a little bit more. Like I was able to do a little bit more deep diving into what, what I was interested in and, and find it from there. So, I mean, I'm still going, still trying to find that perfect little fit. Um, but I'm having a blast as I'm learning so many different areas of cybersecurity. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, I think you touched on it a little bit is um, what got you to go into cybersecurity and also what drew you to the defensive side? I know you touched on it a little bit of you saw a lot of the, the red team side kind of being pushed heavily, and that really didn't fit your personality. Uh, but what else kind of got you into cybersecurity? And the reason why I'm asking that question, I found that when we could find parallels from someone else, it might encourage us um, as the audience or the listener um, to go down that path. So what was your path? And what, made, what was the change in your career or life that said, I want to be in cybersecurity? Yeah, so... I, I have talked about this a little bit before, and I, I said I was kind of like almost thrown as tribute at first into yeah. security. Um, so I was, again, I was working for a power authority and I was doing system admin stuff. And yeah. at that point I had just moved over from yeah. desktop support. And I love that. I loved helping people solve problems. I think sometimes like help desk and desktop support get bad reps and yeah, it can be a little difficult, but I loved it. I loved the problem solving. I loved like helping people solve, um, just like technical problems and people being like, wow, what'd you do? You must be a wizard. And I'm just like, maybe I'll never tell you. <laughs> you know? so it was just like, it was, it, it was great. So, um, I was on a really small team and we had a compliance manager who was needing to implement and make sure that we were following NERC SIP and no one on the team wanted to deal with it. No one was interested in, in compliance. You know, we had some older like 
tech guys, like been in it for like 20 years. They're kind of like, nah, I don't want to mess with that. And so they're like, hey, newbie, why don't you go help? And I was like, okay. So just learning, because one, I had never thought about all of the importance of protecting critical infrastructure. And it like freaked me out at first, like, oh my gosh, you're telling me someone can hack into the system and overheat generators and shut down entire cities like that freaked me out. And so I was like, I had to know more. Um, And my supervisor at the time saw that I was just like really interested in it. And he's like, you should go and get your security plus like that would be a great start for you. And so I was like, okay. So I went and got my security plus my company paid for it. Um, and then he was like really trying to keep pushing me. He's, he, he saw how interested I was and, you know, being, um, a woman of color, one in where I was at the time in tech was just like, I was like the only one. And so he was really trying to be an advocate for me at that time. And I really thank him for it. Um, so he started getting me like the ethical hacker certification. Uh, like I was getting ready to literally go sit for the um, CEIH. I think it's what it is. Like no one likes that cert anymore. But <laughs> I was getting ready to go sit for it when I got a, you know a job offer to go work for um, Splunk, which is a, a sim company. Um, and so I was just like, I- I'm going to take this opportunity. It'll give me a little bit more understanding of like, you know, like sock and stuff like that. And I really enjoyed that. And then I decided I wanted to go back to system administration and they didn't have anybody um, to really focus on security. So my first real like cut in my teeth on security was at a really tiny ed tech company. Um, And they're just like, we've hired a third party security company to help us figure out what we need to improve, like our risk management, but no one wants to implement it yet again. I was kind of like offered up as, you know, as tribute. And I just like, I felt like I was so in love with it. At that point, I was already kind of entry. I kind of knew the basics. And now I had this opportunity to really like build out a security program, even though I had no idea what I was doing. And I just was in love with it. And at that point, I was already really deep into my nonprofit, the uh, Women's Society of Cyber Jitsu. And I was just learning so much and all the things that I was learning from other women, I was taking to the job with me. Um, and I think my, my now supervisor at the company I'm at, he saw me and he reached out to me and he's just like, Hey, I'm looking for a security engineer. Would you be interested? And I was just like, okay. <laughs> um, and I was like, there's no way I'm going to get this job. It's way above my skill level. Like I just, I'm still really fresh, really brand new. And I got it and they, they welcomed me and I've really been able to like, just get into it and be on the full blue team side. And I'm, I love it. I love it every day. I love what I do. Um, and I'm really looking forward to having a nice long career in cybersecurity. So I know that was a giant. No, that, that was, <laughs> I can hear the enthusiasm about it. So I know you really love it. And yeah. that goes perfectly into our next question. So now if the audience is still sticking with us right now, you got to pique their interest a little bit. So can you kind of paint the day in the life of a cybersecurity engineer? Because, um, you know, people watch CSI, right? People watch on news. Is it like, I mean, like in the, on the TV shows, right? Is it like that? Like how's a day in the life is um, for a cybersecurity engineer? So here's one thing, right? Security engineer is such a wide title. Like there, yeah. you could, you can be an app security. You could be a threat hunter. You could yeah. be a pen tester and be called a security engineer. Yeah. So 
my day's not as cool as like what you see on the TV. I'm sure if there's like a threat hunter out there or a pen tester out there, they will be more than happy to tell you how cool and exciting their day is. But my day is really focused on, um, so I focus on threat uh, prevention. And that means I'm looking at our systems. I do uh, like security gap analysis, which what that is, is I look at our current baseline and then I look at where we should be based on, um, you know, like, uh, compliance frameworks or uh, security frameworks. And then I identify where we're missing, right? So I, I go in and I see, you know, I do a lot of um, like SaaS security too. So one of my most recent projects was um, looking at over 6,000 apps that we use and um, identifying some of the vulnerabilities within those applications and what we needed to start to block and what we could allow. Um, I've done a lot of projects with hardening configurations of uh, MacBooks and Windows. Um, Goodness, what have I (laughs) recently got into? I do a bunch of different projects. So like right now I'm doing a security posture analysis of company that we just purchased. So that's been really interesting. to like go in and look at a, another company from the ground up and go, how does this compare to our current company and our security standards? And how do I get them integrated into our system in a safe way? Because system integration is such a tricky point. There's so many weak points yeah. within systems integrating with each other that you really got to be able to kind of like comb through everything and find where are those vulnerabilities and that not only just identify the vulnerabilities, but now I have to have a plan on how to remediate that and do that in a way that doesn't hinder or become burdensome to anybody else. So that's kind of like what my day is. So I'll sign in, you know, and I'll kind of breeze through. I, I do, I, I'm helping right now to build out like our detection and response um, sock. So we're building out a sock right now. And so part of my day is also building that out, which is brand new for me. I'm just like, I don't know what KPIs we need or SLAs we need for this stuff, but I'm learning and it's really interesting. Um, I'll come in, I'll check alerts. I'll do any kind of investigations that I need to on the alerts, make sure everything looks good, remediate anything that I need to. And then I'll hop into my projects. Um, and again, like I said, I'm doing a, a security posture analysis of this company. So that's been really interesting. And then, you know, I help with other stuff. I do POCs, which are proof of concepts for new software that we want to bring in. Um, I do security reviews. So a lot of the times we will get requests to access new software or, hey, can I install this? Is this secure? Does this meet our security requirements? And I have to do in-depth reviews of those applications before I can allow it into our environment. So my day is very diverse and very interesting. And I can kind of I can kind of decide some days if I really want to like get into the weeds and dig, or if I just want to have like a more casual day and just like check alerts and like you know, just, just poke other people be like, Hey, what are you doing? Do you need help with something? So we have a really collaborative team and I like to help my, my um, teammates with their projects too. So we're all doing something different, something really interesting. And we get to kind of pick our projects every quarter. So um, it's, it's been really fun so far. I've really enjoyed it. It's been very challenging um, and really kind of like 
forcing me to flex my ability and flex my like collaborative muscle and flex my like technical analysis and like technical depth. So it's, it's yeah. been, it's, it's a really, I love it day to day. I love it. Fe- you're a future CISO. I already hear it already. <laughs> the way you talking, cause you got that. You seem like you, you're honing your technical capabilities and you also are not afraid of building your soft skills and your strategic side of it, that business side. So that tells me, um, I'm going to have to do a part two and you're going to be a CISO, you know, so I, I'm waiting for that to happen. And uh, oh. that's, 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 that's uh, I already foresee that already. Uh, and then uh, my, this goes really perfectly to my next question, right? You, what would you say is your most favorite aspect about cybersecurity? Oh my goodness. Um, I love solving complex problems. I think that's the most interesting thing is if you're someone who wants to understand why something works, if you're someone who enjoys really getting into the weeds of a problem, I think you would enjoy cybersecurity. I really enjoy it. I'm, I'm quite an analytical kind of like type A personality. Yeah. So I've really enjoyed it. And I've always said, I kind of have like an auditor's mind. So I love coming in and just like, going through, like combing through everything and, and, and saying like, why are we doing what we're doing? Why is it important? And is there a better way? So that's my goal at the end of the day is, are we doing what we need to do in the most effective, proficient way? And so I think I, I can be a little bit uh, different than some of the more technical security engineers that I've bumped into. Cause I really focus on like processes. Yeah. Like that's, that's my specialty processes, right? Proce- process development and improvement and like optimization. And so I like to really come in and just be like, why? <laughs> I think that can be annoying sometimes, but I'll, I'll do the, um, the five whys. Okay. Why? Okay. Why? Okay. But why, you know? So, cause I really want to get to the meat and crux of the problem that we're trying to solve. And I want to make sure that whatever solution that we're, that we're providing or going with is the most effective solution is the most scalable solution and is the most like sustainable solution for us. Right. So I think, I think that's what like that. I just love that. I love that whole process of it. And I think that's also why blue team was such a perfect fit for me. And that's awesome. Cause I'm on the opposite spectrum. <laughs> I do not <laughs> like, I'm, I don't like process. I create my own process. I figure it out. Um, I'm the opposite, right? You know, I'm more better on the evangelism, the sales engineering. Mm-hmm. I will ask a ton of questions, but it's more customer related and not process improvement, mm-hmm. um, right? I'm going to create the process and I need someone like you to say, Sly, why did you do that? <laughs> well, I did it because of this. Well, did you think about that? I probably didn't think about that. But the good thing is, if you hear that, there's room for both sides of those people, right? Absolutely. Because there are pros and cons for both. You just got to understand where do you like to be? And you might be a little bit higher on one side than another. Can I be detailed? Yeah, in certain situations. Am I more lean towards a creative set of process improvement? I will say yes, right? But that's not a bad thing. That's just where I sit on the spectrum of security. But like we said in the beginning, it's such a broad spectrum that you can find something that fits you within cybersecurity. So I'm glad that you you, you made that, uh, that uh, you explained that. So yeah, um, yeah, I ahead. mean, I just want to make sure that I, I get this point across is that 
having diverse teams like that, and this is why we need more diverse backgrounds, we need people like you, like me, that have different thought processes come at problems differently. Um, and when you can really build a team that's cohesive and diverse, like you're, you're honestly making the best team. I know that there's been a study that's gone out that says, you know, the more diverse the team is, the more efficient they are, the better the team, like the teamwork is, and the more that they can solve problems. So I love that you say like, yo, that's not me. And if we were sitting down and having a conversation, you would probably be like, but why? And I would say, that's a good question. And that's so that, that right there is a perfect example of why we need diverse teams because if we if everybody thinks the same there are so many things we're going to miss there are so many uh, ways that we could have probably improved that we didn't see because we all think alike we're all the same we all have the same background so again this is why we need people like me like you like everybody else that's watching we need people with diverse backgrounds so like yeah. I, I, that's my that's my two cents. That's just my spiel. Right. No, that's great. <laughs> Diversity and thought is and like empowering, right? I make sure like, my wife and I are complementary in ways, but we will solve problems two different ways. Absolutely. And sometimes my ways are efficient, and sometimes they aren't. And her ways are better, but that's fine. You know, you just I think you also need diversity of thought, but also the ability to um, not even criticism. You know, challenge your idea without getting defensive and this realizing it's for the greater good of the, the organization, the team, whether that's personal relationships or um, and within a business and the constructs of cybersecurity. Um, so diversity of thought is great, but you also got to be willing to have some open size criticism because I can know from my personality, Sly got 100 things done. They were good, but yo, Sly, you missed like five things and these ones were critical, right? But good thing is then go out to customers. I'm glad you reached out to me. We can fix that, right? And go forward. Or I might say for you, McKenna, I'm like, man, you've been, you did one thing, but hey, you did it really thorough, but we got like 20 other things to get done. So let's go yeah. along, right? So that ability to, to have that teamwork and, and, uh, and just to approach that problem differently is, is great. So not only diversity in color, gender, ethnicity, but also thought um, just makes Time it, um, yeah, background just makes it, um, Fantastic. So yeah. um, let's just bring it back a little bit for some of them who are not in technology. A question I get quite frequently is, what can I do as an individual to take some steps to be more secure? Oh, this is a great question because I recently had a couple of people in my family and friends groups that have had like their identity stolen or have come across like some kind of shadiness and they're not sure. And they just like barely stop themselves from getting (laughs) hacked. So one of the first few things that I tell people is you need to be aware of what you're putting out online, right? something like Facebook, Instagram, they're not your friends. Okay. So the information you put out there is so easy to track. So be very mindful about what you're putting out. Be very mindful about the privacy um, settings in these apps or, you know, like on your phone, whatever you're using, you need to be mindful about what they say, how they can use your data, how they you know, what, what their data handling looks like. And that's not complicated stuff. You can go into the settings and check it out, read it. Most of the time, pretty, pretty understandable. Um, But if you're not sure, you can Google that and be like, is this a weird setting? Is this a safe setting to turn on? Is, should I be turning this off? Should I be using this app? Um, Because a lot of the times I think people don't realize how much of their information is just being like siphoned off 
all the time. And so you're not safe when you're using, you know, social media or all these different applications. So one, be mindful of what you're putting out there to be mindful of what you're adding onto your systems. Um, do basic things like update your phone, update your apps, you know, um, update your computer, make sure you're always uh, doing regular updates secure from any kind of vulnerabilities. Yeah. Um, another great one is please, 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 people do not use the same password for every, you know, like social site, get a password manager. There's there so change your life. Yeah. <laughs> change my life. I, I was that guy. Back yeah, in the day. Ch- change your life. Get a password that. manager. A great one that I use is LastPass has changed my life. I don't have to memorize all my passwords now, and they're all super long, complex, and secure. Yeah. Um, I use one password because I got a family option, and it's easier to manage holistically because you got one account that can govern everything else. There you LastPass go. LastPass didn't have that. So if you got a family and you want your kids, because your kids could be weak points. Like, you know, back in the day, my wife used to have sticky notes everywhere. I'm like, God, we can't do this. Yes. I bought the last passes. Let me put everything in there, right? Because those are also entry points into your environment. So anyway, I just wanted to put that little... Uh, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, One pass is fantastic. Thankfully, last passes now has like a family. It does. Um, I didn't know that. It does now. Me and okay. my husband, we use it and all of our shared bill accounts and stuff go in there. So he doesn't have to ask. Ask me, hey, babe, what's that password? Go to yep. LastPass. <laughs> Same here. Okay, that's great. Yeah. We didn't have that before. That's awesome. That's good. Yeah. Um, and there's also, so I know it can be kind of hard to keep up with all of it because there's so many different things that you can do for like personal safety online, but a really awesome resource is called securityplanner.org. Um, and this is ran by, I believe, like the security. Uh, consumer reports and it gives you uh, you can do like a quick little quiz of like things that you find important like um, hey I want to be able to monitor my children's activity or online or hey I'm worried about you know identity fraud and it will give you a list of actionable items that you can do to secure yourself and be safe Um, and it does everything from like browser security to like device encryption to like what to do if you're being stalked harassed or cyber bullied Um, it is a phenomenal tool i suggest it for everybody who wants to know where they can start first that is a fantastic tool to use to like get your like jump start on on being safer and clearing up what we like to call your cyber hygiene so that's awesome and i just probably tag on there download a vpn if you go into like facebook not, not facebook like if you go into a starbucks you go on mm-hmm. somewhere that has free wi-fi please use a vpn all vpns aren't created equal and i know you have a really good suggestion because you suggested one to me that doesn't log that keep all your logs what was that one again that you suggested? Cyber again? Ghost. Okay. Yes. Cyber Ghost. Yes. And I feel like nowadays, if you're on YouTube for any amount of time, somebody's always being sponsored by a VPN service. Yep. So I feel like VPN now is like the hot thing. Sure. And I feel like most people should know about VPNs now, but you're so right. If you're going out to Starbucks, if you're at an airport, if you're at a hotel, please do not sign into their Wi-Fi without some kind of security just if you can at all, avoid them. Use like Correct. your own mobile hotspots hot and lock those down. Yeah, exactly. Um, but if you absolutely need it, use a VPN. Yeah. yeah, and then the last one that I think everyone should know is two-factor. Just do yes. it. 
you know, use the app preferably over text, but if text is your only option, you can use that. That's better than no two factor. It won't save you from everything, but for the simple text, it will definitely help you. Cause even if I take your password, I need to have the device that you're using to um, get in there. Is there ways around it? Of course. Uh, but if the bare minimum, if you don't do anything, activate two factor. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. That's a great suggestion. That goes right there with passwords. Those yep. two go hand in hand. Yep. So, um, all right. So bef- I got two more questions before we go is what's some of your favorite books and podcasts? Oh, um, so some of my all time favorite podcasts right now that I've been like obsessively listening to Hacker Valley Blue, yeah, um, you know, just a little plug. I did a I did a podcast recently with them. So go yeah. watch it. Um, Darknet Diaries. So if you really want to hear about like the CD underground and the hackers, that's a yeah. great podcast. Um, blue Security Podcast is also really good for more blue team. Um, and my boy, Davin Jackson, his amazing podcast, InfoSec Unplugged is also really great. You can watch it like on YouTube, Twitch, all that. Everybody's on those now, but, um, I also did a a episode with him. So go watch that. Another second plug. Um, and some of the, uh, books that I really, really love that I feel like have been life changing for me. And I feel like everybody should at least read them once is Atomic Habits. Yeah, I love, I'm reading that now. I'm actually listening to that right now. Fantastic. Such a good book. <laughs> Changed my life. Yeah. Um, another one is Thinking Fast and Slow. Yeah, that's my next book. I'm reading yeah. that. And then another one that I was kind of like, I feel like it's a sleeper. Not a lot of people talk about this one is uh, The Book of Beautiful Questions. Mm, never um, heard of that. It's very, very good. It helps. It's it, it's still part of that like critical thinking portion. I feel yeah. like everybody should work on that critical thinking skill um, nowadays, especially with so much misinformation and just like diversions that we have. It's really important to be able to do your own critical thinking and understand the process of critical thinking because it's not just like I think better than everybody else, you know, it, there's a process to it. And, and it's, it's so important to kind of understand where your biases can be and, and how to kind of like circumvent those. So I'm like, definitely adding that on. Yo, those are great. Atomic habits. I'm literally right today, writing down what I do on my free time. And I'm finding so much dead space of things I do that I didn't even notice I was doing it. Yeah. Um, that now I'm, I'm making, uh, making changes to it. Right. Or simple things that I wanted to, um, I need to get more lab time because my role went for more of a technologist where I was consulted and talking about cybersecurity every day to more of a generalist and more of a business discussion, a process, a business process discussion, sort of a technology discussion. But me, I had to get my hands dirty and lab it up. Right. So I'm like, all right, I need to put some time in. So I found so much time during the day that where I could add it in, but time habits is great and think fast and slow. It's the next book that's actually on there. I'm going to stop just saying that that's literally on the next rotation after <laughs> I finish this book. And then I asked the other, I also put that question book you put in there and I have all those links inside to um, sh- um, show notes. If you were listening to this and if you're watching this, it'd be in the YouTube description as well. Um, so this has been a fantastic conversation and I don't want it to end, but we got to end it. And like I said, it might be a part two because you just laid down so many cool tools that we can have a separate conversation on each one of them, right? Uh, But until next time, Sly Gittins and McKenna are out. Peace.